It's time to get in the zone. The Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. And welcome back into the Fantasy Football Zone. And again, we're joined with Corey Smith, Rotowire, helping us out, break everything down. And uh, how you doing here after week nine? going on, Paul? Getting into the double digits and uh, excited for my Broncos to hear today uh, the NFL owners last night approved a contingency plan if there are meaningful games that are canceled over the second half of the regular season because of COVID-19 they may add uh, to have a total of 16 playoff teams eight per conference so both of our teams actually Broncos and Vikings not bad news there no not in place but it could happen they they need all the help to get, and that's the thing too for people to remember too. They already changed the format, you know, a little bit this year, where the top seed is going to be the only one that gets a bye week this week or uh, this year. So they they've got the seventh team, right? If is that correct? I'm trying to remember the changes they have, but I think it's the seven teams that get in this year. But then this would add a couple more. You're exactly right. Yeah. So it's the number one seed ever important this year because that would be the only team in each conference to get a bye. Uh, Pittsburgh in the AFC and New Orleans in the NFC right now, surprisingly, for the Saints. I mean, yeah. but if it does go to eight teams, suddenly it would there wouldn't even be a bye. It would just be one v eight, two, seven, three, six. I, I would imagine a uh, breakdown like that. Well, now on the field, uh, some news. Uh, Christian McCaffrey came back, put up the numbers he wanted, and then he got hurt late in that game. And then there, the reports after it were all over the place. Or I, I guess I got to give Rappaport some credit. He did first one to come out and say, yeah, he could miss some extended time. But then I saw there was another tweet saying, uh, no, don't buy that report because he's day-to-day. And then we find out today on Wednesday, a couple hours before we record, yeah, he's not expected to play this Sunday against Tampa Bay. Yeah, officially week-to-week even uh, could be correct. Yeah. No longer day-to-day. No, he's out this week. I mean, not good news. I feel a little bit like Dolphins-era Adam Gase in regards <laughs> to uh, Tannehill. Just repeated questions about him being hurt. Yeah, I'm, I'm sick of talking about this guy, Paul. I, I finally get the number one pick. I get McCaffrey. Yep. Of course, I don't draft Mike Davis. Why would I do that? Exactly. And uh, here we go once again. Uh, could, but next week could be back after it, this weekend. And that's the thing, though. Mike Davis has trailed off the last couple of weeks before McCaffrey got back. Do you expect him to maybe those numbers to return, or do you think the, their offense has shifted a little bit where they're not including him as much as they were? As you know, Curtis Samuel's getting rush attempts, and they're throwing him all over the place, and he's actually, it seems like, to be the guy you want to own in this uh, Carolina offense right now with McCaffrey out. I think that's a good point. And this week, I mean, it's going to be Tampa Bay, so that is not a matchup that you like. Uh, certainly, perhaps the best rush defense in the league. Like you said, involvement did trail off there a little bit. Against Kansas City, of course, McCaffrey active. One carry, uh, five catches for 34, but two games right before that, just 20 combined rushes. So it was it was starting to wind down, and he was crazy those first few games. He was just on fire, like eight, nine catches every game, yeah. a touchdown every game pretty much, it felt like. And, yeah, I, I think low RB2. Expectations should be tempered a little bit, but he's still, he's still a good player, and if, if they get down the red zone, it's tough against Tampa, but he might punch one in. Up next, you know, the COVID list. It's the thing we've had to watch when players get on it and get off it. Matt's, Matthew Stafford was on it last week. He got cleared just before the game or basically on game day, and he played against the Vikings last week. 
And, uh, you know, we got a couple players on it that were on it. Now, again, Baker Mayfield was on it. They were on a bye last week, but he's now been activated. Is that correct? He's back active. And on a week, they're, they're facing the Texans Sunday. <laughs> no Mahomes, no Matt Ryan. Chiefs and Falcons are on bye. So maybe even a 10-team league, but deeper league. He could be a viable streaming option against the Texans here. And then I know, too, for the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, he's been added to the list. And I think it's kind of like the Stafford situation of last week. We'll just have to wait and see if he gets cleared to play uh, coming up Sunday against the Bengals. Yeah, that, it would be interesting. I mean, uh, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Mason or is it going to be <laughs> – I guess it would be Mason Rudolph. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I know they had Dobbs know. on there. I, didn't they just recently sign Josh Dobbs back? I thought they did. But, yeah, I think it would be Mason Rudolph once again in that role for him. And, well, we know how well he did last year. Yeah. <laughs> Spotty results. Yes. I mean, I think I'd still take Steelers. But if we can get on that line, uh, I think it's maybe nine and a half or nine. Pretty big one. We should look into that. <laughs> we can quickly jump on the Bengals. Uh, maybe, maybe look into that here. Well, another news uh, note, too, a uh, big first-round pick uh, for the Falcons, Tack McKinley. He was uh, waived. He was disgruntled. And uh, I guess I don't know if, you know, you were in Atlanta. At least, uh, you know, you had a chance of maybe winning some more games down the stretch. And I know the Bengals. I shouldn't make fun of them because Joe Burrow has created a little excitement there. But uh, I wonder how disgruntled now he's going to be in Cincinnati. Oh, he's going to be pissed. <laughs> I saw who he signed with. I was like, oh, he's going to be really happy now. He's going to be all in. I, I mean, he's a passionate player. Uh, Tack McKinley is really fun to watch. I mean, when he's healthy, he produces. But when he goes down, uh, you're pretty much holding your breath every time because from the time he entered the league at UCLA as a first-round pick, you know, he's, he's dealt with shoulder injuries the whole time, a couple different issues over, over the years. But I don't think it's a long-term thing. It's an interesting team to add him. We'll see if they're able to extend him or if they want to extend McKinley and Cincinnati. Certainly some teams in the playoff mix may have been interested, but I guess the Bengals higher on the priority list and they, they scoop up McKinley at least for the rest of this year. It's like the situation in your fantasy league where somehow a guy that seems to find a guy every week to claim had the number one spot once again to claim and, and he just took him. And that's what the Bengals are. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're towards the seller. So yeah. among those teams... In the mix, they they got the number one uh, claim on McKinley. Well, some quick hitters uh, from Week Nine, and I uh, guess this was the jaw dropping result last week. It was Saints and Buccaneers. The Saints just poured it on him after all of the news of Drew Brees. I don't know if he's going to play, and even if he does play, it doesn't sound like he you know he might not be good against that Tampa Bay defense. And man, they lit him up on Sunday night. I mean, it it felt like he was over pretty quickly. New Orleans. Scores in the opening drive after a three and out from Tampa. So they kind of just proceeded to kick ass from that point <laughs> forward. They're up 28 nothing by midway through the second quarter. You know, this has kind of been the Bucks. Their feast are fans. Certainly, we were, I was surprised in the loss to the Bears on that Thursday night, but it was yeah. a much closer game. They just got blown out. I mean, do you think this is a matchup thing against New Orleans? Because going into this week, a lot of people, maybe myself included, had the Bucks as the number one team in the NFC, at least in the mix, and now it, their stock is way down suddenly. Yeah, especially it's, you know it's funny how one game, and especially a game like this, how bad you can look as and everyone jumping off. I 
you know, that defense, I thought they were a lot better than this. And the two times they've played the Saints, now, again, that first game was not a, a banner game by any means by either teams. It was actually a pretty awful game <laughs> considering the talent involved. But for this one, for the Bucks defense to get knocked off that big last Sunday night, it is a little telling sign. And, you know, I still think they're one of the top teams in the NFC, the Buccaneers, but uh, the Saints, you know, there's some things they exposed them on that might help some other teams down the stretch. Yeah, and the Saints, as we said at the top, all of a sudden, atop the NFC, it kind of feels like a team we've been sleeping on all year. They have just had the most heartbreaking playoff losses. Maybe, I don't know, it just seems like they were kind of slept on. Suddenly, if it stays the seven playoff teams, they're going to be in that super important number one seed yeah. at the moment. So, hey, I still think Tampa's in the mix. I still think they'll be there in January, uh, possibly on conference championship weekend. But midway through the season, week eight, or week nine, I guess, and, you know, Arians and Brady, we'll see how that plays yeah. out with Arians kind of calling him out for saying, you know, Mike Evans was open. Yes, he didn't he have was. a lot of time to throw in that game either. I mean, <laughs> he had a lot of Saints in his lap throughout the game, three picks from Brady. So I think he'll ba- bounce back quickly from a fantasy perspective, Brady, in this next game, as he usually does. And I guess that is kind of a concern for me on the fantasy. You know, we talked about their backfield last week. I mean, that's still a big question between Jones and Fournette. But those receivers now – with with a comment like that from Arians that Evans was open and he got Godwin, and now you throw Antonio Brown in that mix, that could be a problem each week. And you never know which one is going to be the hot hand. And it does seem like Brady and Evans, they, they, they are not connecting like I thought they would at this point of the season. Exactly. He's had a couple games that have been like one catch for a six-yard touchdown. Yes. Something like that. Low low yardage, red zone usage. Evans has been banged up since week one. It, it seems on and off the injury report throughout the throughout the year. Godwin, of course, has been dealing with that finger. So they haven't been at full strength. But the key thing you said, they added Antonio Brown. This is really going to show the strength. I mean, what can Tom Brady do as a leader here? This locker room is going to be really interesting, especially with the coach kind of throwing bullets at him from what I'm seeing. Yeah. Up next, oh, man, this was all – the Jets, they had it. Why did Joe Flacco throw that ball <laughs> five minutes left to go deep down the field? I don't know. But it looked like they were going to get off the schneid, but no, the Patriots came back and they won, and the Jets are 0-9. It was unbelievable. I just <laughs> When he threw that pick, that's where I was thinking, all right, yep. may, that may be the subtle tank because it was almost like a punt. Yes, I mean, it was. Mims was somewhat in the vicinity there, but it was, it was just the first play of the drive, and really from there it was all downhill. This is a crazy stat here, Paul. Coming into this game, Cam Newton in his NFL career as a starter, 1-38 when trailing by multiple possessions in the fourth quarter. Wow. Gets to 2-38 and 38 with this win. Uh, on the late drive, not a whole lot of urgency from the Patriots, but they still <laughs> pull it off late completion to Myers, who had a huge game. 12 catches for 169 on 14 targets. That just shows this Patriots receiving core. Yeah. Just, it's so banged up. And the hero on the other side, Rashad Perriman, meanwhile, two touchdowns, 101, hooking up with his former teammate Flacco from back in Baltimore. So some unlikely heroes here on Monday night. And if you're a Jets fan, you got to be grateful for the result because nothing worse than slipping and seeing Jacksonville 
swoop up the number one, or God forbid the Patriots somehow get to the number one overall pick. Yeah, and, and you hit it on the head, too, with that Patriots receiving core right now. From what I noticed in that game is they want to run the ball and control the clock, and that looks like if they want to make a run at the NFC East now and try to get back into this thing, that is how they're going to win games is time of possession and just grind that thing down and then play defense because there was nobody receiver-wise that I want to own right now in the Patriots with Edelman Hurts. And even when he gets back, I know he had that great game against Seattle uh, week two, but ever since then there has not been a Patriots receiver you, you've want to own in fantasy. And Rex Burkhead, I think, is the most valuable commodity for or at least this week until maybe Harris replaces him next week with a 100-yard game. I mean, it's just back and forth, and that's how they're going to use their backs. It's very unpredictable. And Cam's throwing a Demir Bird and Oshetsky yes. and who the hell knows who he's yeah. going to do. That doesn't help, but it makes sense. They should be a downhill team. You see some throws from Cam. We saw – I was talking about it early in the season. The mechanics are looking better. Yeah. That's largely gone by the wayside here. He kind of cleaned it up with 27 completions on 35 attempts, but still no touchdown passes. They ran it 41 times, so just heavy, spreading it around. Five different guys ran the ball, 159 yards and three touchdowns in the ground. So they're 3-5 and now. They're kind of on the periphery. A couple games back in Buffalo still, but at least in that wild card mix, and they, they know what the formula is, and mostly pound the rock and hopefully get Cam running the, running the ball a little bit more. Two rushing touchdowns here. That's when they were winning early in the season and competing with Seattle when he produced on the ground like he did on Monday night. Up next, why don't we go to the NFC East? Why not? We have the Giants and Washington. The Giants get a big win. And, uh, you know, another injury for uh, Kyle Allen, this guy. That's I still wonder why they – I know the Ron Rivera connection to bring him over, but he kind of struggled with injuries there, even though he did replace Cam last year. But he, he got hurt. And here he is. He got hurt again, unfortunately. And now, well, Alex Smith, the back into the fold with Washington. Exactly. He got in there briefly last month, did Smith, but here going to be inserted as the starter going forward, according to Ron Rivera post game. And that must have been eerie. I don't know how you put that out of your head on the same field where Smith had that horrifying leg injury. Yeah. You may have seen the photos, the E60 or just looking it up. Unbelievable to come out after Allen dislocates an ankle, just to take over, and mostly played pretty well until really the most important part of the game, throwing two picks in the last three minutes there on Washington's last two drives of the fourth quarter. So that's that's what killed them, but in that division, you never know. Honestly, when I saw him on that roster, I'm thinking, Alex Smith, I mean, if he can get back close to what he was, eight consecutive seasons winning records as a starter between 2011 and 2018. He did have Harbaugh. He did have Reed as coaches. I'll give you that. But mm-hmm. he's, a, he's an efficient player who can get it done. It'll be interesting, Paul. I don't, I don't really buy them, but I think he's their best quarterback, frankly. And it was, too, Terry McLaurin with a pretty good game for him as well, which was nice to see because, uh, you know, he's he's had some decent games. Obviously, he had the connection with Haskins a little bit there, but, you know, they said, Dwayne Haskins, we we don't care, I guess, if you show up to the building or not anymore because they, they have no plan for him right now, do they? What are they going to do with him? I don't know. <laughs> as long as they're somewhat in the mix, it's going to be Smith. He wasn't even active for this game 
Haskins was a healthy scratch against the Giants. So, man, he's fallen a long way. No takers at the deadline. Maybe next offseason he'll have a revival. But right now it looks like it, it would take a lot for him to stick in Washington. Their long-term quarterback plan is really wide open right now. Yeah. And on the Giants' side, hey, Daniel Jones leads the Giants, second win of the year, and uh, he didn't fumble it. So that's good. Improvement. Yeah. These last two weeks, he's cleaned it up a little bit against the Bucks and Washington here. He's reined it in a little bit. Last year, if you think about it, those were the two games that got him going. He had the overtime win against Tampa Bay. Everyone was excited after that. He ran it in for the game-winning touchdown. Beats Washington the next week. But as we just con- continue to see, the only team he can beat is Washington. I mean, <laughs> this is making the rounds. He's 4-0 against them. He's 1-1 against Tampa Bay. He's 0-15 against the rest of the NFL. So, huge game coming up here against the Eagles. We know they're very much in the mix, as is everybody in that division. If they can show a pulse and win any given Sunday... But the, the key is going to be Jones and the turnovers, and his audition is, is live for the next eight weeks here. Up next, Atlanta and the Broncos, and, well, the Falcons, they keep on winning now under Raheem Morris, right? They get to 3-1 and one now. Former Bucks coach did a great job as D.C. for the Falcons last year over the second half. We've seen Todd Gurley. He's going to be one of those guys on the spotlight here for my note. He's going to be on a lot of championship teams this year in fantasy. Just 3.7 yards carry, but in terms of real life, hasn't lost a fumble, which, you know, is pretty invaluable. He's also fifth in rushing yardage, displayed that 3.7 yards per carry. He's just had a ton of work just behind Dalvin Cook and touchdown uh, on the ground so far. So Gurley's just been clicking. If you drafted him, he's, he's been absolutely He's been awesome this year, and we're all worried about the injuries, understandably so, but the risk is paid off if you, if you went for Gurley here. And another nice thing, too, Matt Ryan, because I remember after that Monday nighter against uh, the Packers, a lot of people left him for dead. They thought, well, his arm's dead. He can't find any of these guys. What's the... He's been on a pretty nice roll lately, fantasy-wise, and uh, he's been helping teams out and win here. So it's a good sign to see that he has bounced back from uh, some of the earlier uh, stuff that was going on. He's been good the last two weeks here three touchdown passes against denver eliminates zacchaeus with the second longest play from scrimmage all season for atlanta 51 yard touchdown catch brandon powell got involved he's a former lion special teams guy he had a nine yard touchdown and julio jones of course 21 yarder to pretty much put this game on ice late uh you love to see that for Matty Ice. Yeah. I mean, the yardage has been consistent all year he hasn't had fewer than 226 yards in any game he's been over 300 passing yards per game too so it's, it's been a nice floor from him but we're finally seeing the touchdowns convert, and that's what it's going to take. They're going on by this week, but you like to see that picking up. And showing life with Raheem Morris, I mean, he's a defensive coach, but just in the locker room, a better feeling, and the quarterback is playing better. And on the Denver side, you know, Drew Locke, we, we praised him last week, did a good job. You know, he did help, you know, keep him into this game, and, you know, it's another big, I guess, passing performance for him, but uh, it didn't help lead to the W this week. No, nah, and this is a team you got to beat if you're a young QB. Took down the Chargers, and I understand this is a it's, it's still a learning still a learning process to some degree. They're not really a Super Bowl contender. Really weren't this season once Von Miller went down. That like was a huge hit to them. So it's kind of a learning season. Hopefully they'll be around 509 wins. But these late turnovers can't see it. Um, you know you got to be patient though. I feel like for me I, I'm so quick to pull the trigger on these young quarterbacks and just pull. The, I mean pull the plug just because yeah. of what we see from guys like Herbert and Tua immediately. Joe Burrow immediately. It's like if they're not clicking pretty quickly, you start to get worried. But 
I think he can still play, but a bad loss to the Falcons, who are not a good team. And I got to ask you, too, about Jerry Judy. I mean, that was a good performance. Was it just a combination of that Atlanta secondary, or are him and Locke really developing a connection here? I think they're really developing a connection. They've had a lot of injuries. I mean, their number two tight end who's kind of been getting a little bit of red zone work, Alex O. I'm not, I cannot pronounce his last name. He was Drew Locke, college teammate at Missouri. He's on season-ending IR. We've known Cortland Sutton, of course. He's on IR all season with the ACL. Noah fans still banged up. So they're depleted with their pass catchers. Last couple of weeks, he's had 24 targets, has Judy. So just immense volume. He's converted that into almost 200 yards receiving and a touchdown. So he's had a little bit of fumble issues after the catch, but he's starting to look like that top 15 pick that we got in April. Mm-hmm. What I'm seeing from Judy is he's really clicking. I think he's a really, really good trade target if your deadline is not passed in your league. I mean, his stock is, of course, up right now, but still, I, I think he's going to have a really good role and perhaps be a low wide receiver, too, all year from here on out. Other games this week, the Dolphins and the Cardinals, and look at Miami with the Tua train taking over. Tua train coming out of the station with some steam on it. Their defense is looking really good. I mean, they're not good in all the Cisco metric, but they're they're coming up with the key plays. Five takeaways the past two weeks, and at least one takeaway every game this season. Along with Tua, you got to love the coach that you have in place. Brian Flores is starting to look like the next great coach. As we know, anything to start a great franchise, you need that at the top. You need a great quarterback. You need a great coach. And Miami, five and three. I don't. I would not have had them no. to win ten games, Paul, to start the season and compete. For the, it's crazy what they're doing this year. How terrible they were at the beginning of last year. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they've really turned it around here in the last, uh, I guess, year because about this time last year is when they turned things around. Because yeah, that, they were the team you always streamed a defense against. That's how her- terrible they were, and then they flipped the switch around halfway through last season, and it's continued in this season with also this switch at quarterback, which everyone's like, well, wait a minute, you know, Fitzpatrick's doing all right, but, you know, it is to his time to shine. And, uh, you know, fantasy-wise, he's not putting up the huge numbers, but he's winning games. Exactly. Over 70% completion this game. We know completion could be a finicky stat, but 248 through the air, two touchdowns after last week he was under 100 yards passing against the Rams. You know, they didn't have to do a ton. They they were pretty much up for the second half of that game. But Mm -hmm. you love to see just the way he's moving around. He's had a... He's had injuries. I mean, he had that hip injury. I like the way he's moving around and just getting the ball out. You love to see the no turnovers. And just to beat the Cardinals, I mean, they're yeah. a pretty big-time team. They are a little bit inconsistent. But to win a shootout over the Cardinals like that, it's exciting right now for Miami that they could have this evolution from just being so terrible than last year, getting some picks, and yet still being a respectable team, and still being able to get Tua, who was supposed to be the number one pick, and they get him at six or whatever it was. So it yeah. just worked out perfectly. Worked out perfectly for the Dolphins. Now I got to ask about their backfield because that it was a question going into the season. We didn't know, uh, you know, Brita, Jordan Howard. Well, you know, who to go with now? It was Gaskins who took over here mid, you know, through the season. Now Gaskins is on the IR, and still some question marks. If you had to grab a running back from this team or if you own one who I guess do you roll with I guess I would take Alvin Ahmed the rookie out of Washington would be in consideration I'm kind of hoping that we get Gaskin back in three weeks yeah sounds like we will uh he got placed on IR November 5th with the sprained MCL and it's a perfect time frame there they were saying coach 
Porch Flores was saying before he was put on IR, they're expecting about a three-week absence from him. I don't think there's going to be a lot of fantasy action the next couple weeks in this Miami backfield, but I would go with Ahmed. Seven attempts, 38 yards in this game, pro debut. Also some explosiveness, broke off a 19-yard carry. And I don't want to even say it, but Jordan Howard, he's had the... He does what he does. This yep. game against uh, against the Cardinals, 10 carries for 19 yards and a touchdown. Just not really enough upside unless you're in like a 16-team league and just desperate beyond measure. Yes. That's the only way. Uh, I would say Ahmed, the rookie, but otherwise I'm kind of holding off three weeks until we see how this plays out with Gas. Oh, you have a kicker note here. All right, give it to us. What do we got? Kicker love for the week. <laughs> and his name's starting to go around more and more, but Jason Sanders, this week breaks Alinda Mare's franchise record, goes over 20 consecutive kicks made. He's been one of the top fantasy kickers. I know a couple weeks back, he was the number one kicker going into the bye. So don't want to spend more than 30 seconds. We're talking kickers here, but Jason Sanders could be a pro bowler. He's quietly emerging as one of the best kickers along with Tucker. And he's one of those top kickers for sure, along with Butker and, and Tucker, I'd say. He's getting in that mix quietly. So pick him up if you got to get somebody this week on a bye. Yeah, I'd say he's, he's a good option going forward. And he, Getting a lot of attempts, honestly. On the Cardinals side, I mean, Kyler Murray, he's he's carrying them. I, I mean, he is leading. He's doing everything they wanted him to do. He's developed really good in this year, and uh, he's looking like that all-around quarterback that we love in fantasy. He's going to run them for a ton. He can pass for some yardage, get you some scores that way. You know, like Lamar Jackson last year, like Michael Vick in the past, and other great running quarterbacks that we love those kinds of quarterbacks in fantasy. I think we, I may have underrated his rushing ability a little bit coming out of college. You knew he could move, but so far this year, this is unbelievable. He's already on pace for over 1,050 rushing yards, which would place him second all time for. QB rushing in a single season, he would go ahead of Mike Vick's record, uh, standing at third, and be kind of in shouting distance of the record Lamar Jackson set last year. So in addition to his pinpoint accuracy in most games, just historic levels right now rushing this year for Kyler Murray. And it looks like, too, one of his favorite targets, I mean, he's got DeAndre Hopkins to throw to, so that's obviously going to be target number one, but Christian Kirk has really been sneaking in there a little bit, and uh, they seem to be uh, hooking up a little bit more than you know one would think. Yeah, and I think what's happening here, Fitzgerald isn't shabby as a number three at this stage of his career, and Murray's definitely has to pull some guys down into the box to keep them honest, at least sometimes keep just a rover somewhere accounting for him as a rusher, so what's that that's allowed Kirk to kind of open it up deep. Another huge touchdown in this game, 56-yard touchdown against the Dolphins. Also had that 80-plus-yard touchdown against Dallas a couple weeks ago on Monday night. The last three weeks, five touchdowns. He's vaulted from wide receiver 76 in fantasy all the way to 31 as Christian Kirk. So I do think his stock is on the rise, and he's top 30 the rest of the way. He's just emerging as that deep threat right now. Up next, man, the Bills and the Seahawks. I This game, tech, it really wasn't as close as the 10-point score at the end tells you because the Bills, they jumped out from the start. And, you know, I don't know what – maybe it was just traditionally that I know Pete Carroll teams usually have good, gritty defenses. And, you know, they play hard on the pass. So I was kind of late to the party and buying in that this Seattle defense, pass defense, is that terrible. I know you've been beating it in my head for weeks that they are terrible. I believe you now after this game. And we took the right side of this bet, I feel like, (laughs) on paper. It looked horrible. It was a terrible bet. Uh, But Seattle, their last 10 East Coast road trips, they'd won their last 10. That's crazy. That just shows the stability of that organization, but... 
the Bills are a real team. You know, they, they struggled against the Titans and the Chiefs. I questioned them a little bit last week for sure, but they, they knew what to do. They threw the they threw the ball a ton. That's what they did against against the Seahawks here. They knew it coming in. They can stop the run Seattle, but they, they can't stop a nosebleed through the air. Allen's 31 for 38, 415 and three touchdowns. Second highest scoring fantasy quarterback this week behind only Kyler Murray. Yeah. yeah. Anyone who goes up against Seattle right now, it seems like you want to roll him out there. Jamal Adams, they give up a ton to get him. He leads the team in sacks. But in yeah. coverage, he's been really he's been struggling this year, and yeah, it's been on the back end a really shaky year for Seattle. I laugh at that because they don't want Jamal Adams to lead the team in sacks; they want him <laughs> to lead the team in interceptions and pass deflections. That's not good. That's not good news. No. Right? And uh, on the other, I mean, the secondary on the other end was making plays. This was maybe Wilson's worst game of the year. He's had kind of two stinkers now. Where he, of course, puts up numbers. He's Russell Wilson, <laughs> but he also had a couple picks against uh, Arizona. Tredavious White and Jordan Poyer pick him off in this game. Poyer uh, with the interception in the end zone on a fourth down. The put away was from Tredavious White late. That pretty much put the game on ice in the fourth. So you like what you see from Buffalo's defense. So overall, they've dropped from 7th to 17th in DVOA. Their defense is not what it was last year, but as long as their secondary makes plays, they can beat almost anyone if Allen himself is turnover free. And a guy that was a big waiver pickup last week in the Seattle backfield, DJ Dallas, he had a pretty good game for you, and we'll see how long you get to ride out with him here. Yeah, we'll see if Carson comes back this week. That is not for sure. Three touchdowns the past two weeks for the rookie out of Miami, and he you do want to start him this week. If he's still a top that backfield, I know Homer's been banged up, and Carson will see. It sounds like Carson will probably play, but I said that about Ridley last week. I don't I don't know if Chris Carson's going to play. We'll have to keep an eye on that going into the weekend, but if you can get him in your flex spot, Dallas is definitely worth a look in that flex spot in fantasy. Up next, uh, this game, oh boy, this was just... The league, when they put this Thursday night deal concept together, they didn't want a game like this. It was the Packers against the, uh, well, I guess they were like the 39ers because half the team was missing, and it was just, it was dominant from the start. And uh, Aaron Rodgers and, again, uh, Devontae Adams just took this thing over right away. I mean, they just they just wiped them out in yeah. this game. It was, it was rough. We know Rodgers and the Packers last year, they got beat pretty heavily the two times they played San Francisco. But Rodgers said after the game, this was not the same team that we faced with Bosa out, so many guys in that front seven, yeah. COVID impacting the team, Jimmy G out. I thought I would see more from Nick Mullins. I mean, the Packers defense is okay, but mm-hmm. not world beaters. I thought they'd be more competitive. Bad call, bad, bad call. They were, they were okay early. They kind of yeah. close. They could run it a little bit, but once the Packers got it going, they just destroyed the 49ers in this game. So Rodgers, he may be right back at MVP 1A, 1B with Wilson now. I keep saying every week I do the MVP update. I feel like now it's pretty much even again. And on the you know the San Francisco thing side of things, I, you, I don't think you could take much away from this game. I mean, because you were you were coming in pretty, you know, with the injuries and everything else going on, you just basically throw this game away and you move on. And on that front, I mean, the 49ers backfield has been a, just a mess here the last couple weeks fantasy wise you don't know who to roll with and 
he, you know, I saw that uh, Kyle Shanahan, I think he already he's starting or he did rule out Raheem Mostert not going to go this weekend, even though Mostert sounds, you know, he could go, but it sounds like he's going to hold him out yet another week. Jarek McKinnon, I mean, decent numbers, I guess. That touchdown helped out things a lot, but the whole tired legs thing, and they haven't really gone to him much. So there's this was a backfield where you could pick a back and you thought you're pretty good about it, but uh, at this point, I I guess you got to stay away from the situation. I couldn't agree more. I've picked the wrong back twice. Yeah, They've gotten me like three points each time. So it, it, or, or worse, I think McKinnon mm-hmm. got zero point one or something against the Patriots, yeah. uh, especially this week against the Saints. They're elite against the run, so I'm definitely straying away from the San Fran backfield here on Sunday. So, yeah, you got to watch out for that. And, of course, yeah, the, I mean, all the uh, injuries and the guys from COVID, they, they'll – Ayuk looks like he'll be back this week. I think – is Debo Samuel, is he cleared yet? I can't remember. It's just, they have so many, I can't remember who's on what list and who's coming back. I think Samuel is at best questionable right now. Okay. Yeah, he's questionable right now with the hamstring. He did not practice today, Wednesday, so – not looking great on the, the long-term view going into that matchup against the Saints, but he still got Thursday and Friday to potentially get back on the field and do something here. But we'll see. I mean, the COVID has been going around. They've had some guys on the reserve list uh, being high-risk contacts to Kendrick Bourne. Yes. We'll, we'll just see. We'll just see how it plays out. Samuel, I would not feel strong about this week. And on the Packers side, I think, I mean, it's just Devontae Adams' world right now. I He's got to be up in the conversation, number one wide receiver. He is proven it uh, fantasy wise this year and uh, yeah I, I right now if the season were to end I'd have to give it to him I, I know DeAndre Hopkins has had a pretty good year Thomas obviously has slipped down with the injuries hasn't played as much and I mean Devontae Adams he did miss a couple games but when he's been in there they are putting up monster numbers and he lets you know after the game. They asked him, are you the best receiver in the NFL? I said, yeah, I'm the best receiver in the NFL. But he, he, did comp- he did say, I have a great team around me. He said, I, it, my coaches, my teammates. And he, the way they're utilizing every receiver in a different situation, we're going to see different results, of course. But the way they're utilizing him, it's hard to argue. Number one in fantasy coming out of this game, 30-plus fantasy points in three straight games. And he's gone over 30 in four of his six appearances this season. So Devontae Adams, if we could do it over, no question. He'd be he'd be first off the board. And I guess the other receiver on the other side might start benefiting. I mean, MVS, Marquez Valdez scaling. The problem with is he cannot, he's not consistently catching the ball, but he did for some touchdowns, some deep touchdowns on this one. But that is always his uh, issue is consistency. And Alan Lazard, he is eligible to come off the IR list here, but I, I believe he is, I think, this week. I, he can, but I think they're still holding him out on that. So eventually, I think Lazard is the other receiver you're going to want to own here. He proved it when Adams was out against uh, the Saints here, but problem is, don't know when he's coming back yet. Yeah, I mean, Lazard was eligible week nine, couldn't make it. He's, he's questionable right now. He's still on that designated to return list yeah. technically, but if I had to classify it, he could go this week with that core muscle injury. To me, I think MBS, he's going to pop a couple more times this year, even with Lazard in the lineup, but it's going to be a pretty short-lived deal with Lazard coming back. We saw Lazard against the Saints. He went crazy. I think it's going to be one or, one or the other 
every other week pretty much, but Lazard was, was much better than MBS over the second half of last season. So it'll be interesting to see if that carries over. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to me, Lazard's return is definitely going to lower MBS, and he could be a sell high if you believe in Lazard's trajectory health-wise. And Aaron Jones, good to see him back. And, uh, you know, he didn't really have to do much in this game. They got out to the big lead. He did have to stay a little bit more, I guess, to grind out because of the backfield situation with the Williams out and also A.J. Dillon. But uh, I, I think good things are ahead for him if you're an Aaron Jones owner, especially as – you know, the time gets into December, especially with games here at Lambeau. Even though there's no fans, it still snows here. So they're going to have to deal with that. And, yeah, they, I think uh, with Aaron Jones and that running game, uh, things, if you're a fantasy owner, I think those big numbers will be coming back soon. Yeah, you're going to light it up this week against the Jaguars. Yes. You got them at Lambeau. So that'll be a good start. I was listening to the 49ers broadcast. They were saying towards the end of this game, why do they still have Aaron Jones out there? He was running, like, well into the third quarter. It was really just because they had no one else. No, they didn't. They're all out. Irvin was dealing with a wrist, so thank goodness he wasn't hurt. But going forward, great matchup this week against the Jaguars before a tough one against the Colts the week after. All right, let's get to week uh, 10 here. Some of those starters you're looking at, the borderline bruisers and flex heroes, start at the quarterback position. And uh, this is your rule of thumb this year. Whoever's playing the Seahawks defense, start them. And you're going with Jared Goff this week. Keep the train rolling here. It's not exciting, so we'll get it in and out. We'll get it in and out here. But Seahawks, they've just been catastrophic in the secondary Allowed the most fancy points to opposing quarterbacks so far this season. 33 points per game allowed. Goff, I mean, it's a familiar opponent. He's coming off the bye. He's got Sean McVay as his coach. I think those are all good indications going into this one. Stock is a little down. He had a bad game against Miami. Two interceptions, two fumbles, just 10 fantasy points. But against Seattle, favored by the bye. Remember, he had 300 passing yards, almost 400 passing yards when he faced Seattle his first game last year. I do think Goff is is a borderline bruiser here and someone I'd be interested in off the waiver wire available in a lot of leagues. And one to maybe stay away from is uh, the rookie Joe Burrow this week against that tough Pittsburgh defense. We love you, buddy. We love you, Joe. <laughs> I believe in you. But this week, it is not It's not meant to be. I don't think. Now, if Mason Rudolph plays, that could change the dynamic <laughs> of this game. But I still think Pittsburgh defense, that, that unit's going to be a little bit pissed off. Playing the Cowboys. Garrett Gilbert, he did some things. He, I got to give him some credit, but the 7-0 team barely got away against the team in the Cowboys. It's been a rough defense this year. They're on their third, fourth-string quarterback. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to overlook Cincinnati in this divisional game in Heinz Field. Burroughs lit up the Browns. I'll give him that in division, but against another tough AFC North defense, the Ravens, he had just four points in week five in fantasy. So here, I'm thinking he gets the double digits. They'll be trailing. He'll, he'll, he's a really good player, and he's improved since that game against the Ravens. But I, I just think this is his down week before a good stretch. He's got Washington, the Giants, Dolphins, and Cowboys after this. But against the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm going to fade Burrow in Week 10. Uh, a couple running backs you're looking at this week. Uh, you know, Antonio Gibson, interesting guy with Washington. Is this maybe the week he starts to, you know, take over that backfield position a little bit more? I think so, and it is a ideal matchup against the Lions. Surprisingly, number 15 running back in fantasy is Gibson, even splitting that work a lot of the time. Just one <laughs> wow. one point per game behind Clyde Edwards Laird. What? One less per game. It's unbelievable. Yeah, not not total points, but one less point per game is Gibson behind Clyde Edwards Laird this season. And the Lions, they've allowed the most points to opposing running backs in fantasy. They've allowed an NFL high five receiving touchdowns to opposing backs. And Gibson here. 
three or more catches in five of his last six games. I think that, you know, they cannot stop running backs out of the backfield. He will exploit that. And plus on the ground, 5.1 yards per carry allowed this season to opposing backs. And Gibson didn't do great last week, but 20 carries the week before against Dallas for 128 in the touchdown. Believe it or not, look at ESPN.com. He is the ninth highest projected point total for week 10. So the market is catching up. Gibson is clearly a number two back and could be a number one back against the Lions this week. Another running back you may be looking at was probably a popular pickup on the waivers was uh, Duke Johnson this week of the Texans. David Johnson looks like he'll be out and uh, you're liking the matchup this week. I'm liking it this against his former team. I like yeah. that. The Ekeem factor going on the road to Cleveland. They're going to want to up his production, I think, against former team of four years. And it's Browns, they got some guys, but against running back, third most yards per target allowed. And they've given up the sixth highest catch rate. So they let running backs get the ball in their hands a lot. And they let them get big gains when they get the ball in their hands. So I do think Duke, with David Johnson still in concussion protocol, after he got 15 points last week against Jacksonville, I think that Johnson is a good flex play. If not low end two, but probably better serve for your flex against the Browns here. Uh, Running back you might want to stay away from if, you know, he comes back this week is Chris Carson of the Seahawks. If, of course, you got to start him, you got to start him. I understand this guy is just a beast. At least in terms of DFS, I'm going to fade him. And this is kind of a crazy quandary, but I mean, I've I've had Daryl Henderson on my team, this 14-team league, along with Carson. And I hate this because I have three good running backs, but we can only start two. Mm -hmm. And I've got Derrick Henry. So it's kind of been, I've always leaned to Carson all year. But this week, Carson coming off the injury, like, I'm kind of in that range. I know it's kind of a weird thing to say, but against the Rams is a tough matchup. They're the ninth worst matchup for fantasy running backs this year. I don't think it's going to be one of Carson's better games. I think he's, if if lucky, he gets the 10, 12 points. I think that would be okay. Uh, but I, I think we're fading him this week. And we talked about Dallas, DJ Dallas. He could have a partial role even if Carson plays. All right, some wide receivers you're liking this week. We'll stay with that Seattle game. Uh, but on the other side, Cooper Cup, roll with him, huh? Zach, I'm stacking them up here. <laughs> uh, friendliest defense to quarterback is Seattle. They're also, as you may think, as you would believe, the worst wide receiver defense as well. They give up six more points per game to the wide receiver position than the 31st ranked team. So really bad. And Cup, his last outing, set a Los Angeles, St. Louis, wherever you want to, he set a Rams record. <laughs> 21 targets against the Dolphins. 21 surpassing Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce for most in franchise history in a single game. And he did, even in a bad game against Miami, he had 11 catches, 110 yards in week eight before the bye. So Cooper Cup, he's my guy. If I had to pick a Rams receiver, I think he is the guy you want against the Seahawks. And you think a 49ers receiver could have a big week, and it was the guy that was out on the COVID list last week, Brandon Ayuk, the rookie. Throw him right back in there. <laughs> uh, they're telling us he's good to go. He's good to go. Ayuk, he was really good before being on the inactive list last week against Green Bay. They wouldn't have mattered. They, got, they had no chance in that game. But week seven, 17 and a half fantasy points. Week eight, he had over 23, 14 combined catches for over 200 yards those two games. They're so beat up everywhere. No, no Kittle, no Mostert, as we talked about earlier. Debo Samuel still dealing with the hamstring. He missed Week Nine, and you no, know, it's a, it's a good matchup. They're going to be funneling the ball to IU. The Saints have given up the ninth most points to the position in fantasy, and I do see. I clearly don't know how to predict the 49ers this season, but I don't think they're going to be winning in the second half and running. I think they're going to be trailing New Orleans, maybe the best team in the NFC. 
and throwing, and that'll benefit Ayuk here. And a guy we talked about a little bit earlier, uh, looking like a good matchup this week, Jerry Judy against uh, the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders are getting lit up, and I think with all the guys out, Sutton, no fans, no Alex O, he's starting to develop that chemistry with Locke, and he's just getting a ton of work. And not only is he getting a ton of work, he's looking explosive. He's just he's starting to get that swagger. He's starting to look like Alabama Jerry Judy playing in a Broncos uniform on an NFL field. And the Raiders, they've improved a bit defensively, but still, I do think that's going to be a pretty high-scoring game here. The Broncos have proven they can put up points and, and lose, for sure. But yeah, Judy and fantasy I like against the Raiders. All right, time to go against the spread for Week 10. And last week, it was it was just rough. <laughs> Pittsburgh did not do what we thought they were going to do. Seattle didn't do what we thought they were going to do. I knew Green Bay was going to do what they did. But it was rough last week. I don't know why I suggested this. I, I don't know why we did this, Paul. I mean, this, <laughs> we should cut this segment. We should. We don't need to do this. But uh, if we if we must for one more week, I'll I'll, I'll comply. All right, let's start off with, well, we start off with an NFC East game. Oh, great. Uh, Giants and the Eagles, what is this spread here? Giants are three-and-a-half-point dogs hosting the Eagles this week. Okay. In week ten. Uh, surprisingly, and we've seen their defense show some spunk. We've liked what we've seen. I, I thought they would be so bad on defense, but because of that defensive performance and Jones keeping them in games before killing them with a late turnover. The Giants are tied with Kansas City for the fifth best record against the spread this season. They lose a lot, but they're six and three against the spread of the Giants. <laughs> they're, they're two and seven, and you know they've lost a lot of close games this season. The Tampa Bay and Philly lost to the Cowboys. It was close when they had Dak starting that game. So what do you think, Paul? These divisional games, they're they're so tricky. You, but you said a key I'm point. I'm leading Giants with the, with the spunk. I think they you're, can keep it close. Okay, you're going with the Giants. Well, I am remembering a point you made earlier in the show that the only team Daniel Jones can beat in this division is Washington. <laughs> so right. so at that, I Eagles coming off the bye week. Looks like they might have some weapons coming back. Uh, I know Dallas Goddard a little more time uh, to heal up because uh, Hurts, I think, is still out. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Miles Sanders maybe back in that uh, that backfield. I like the Eagles coming off the bye week, and uh, yeah, I think they uh, they beat the Giants by at least a touchdown. Who can turn the ball over less? I mean, <laughs> yeah, that Philly. You got Wentz with twelve picks. Danny Dimes has more picks than he does touchdowns this year. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a toss up, but we're split fifty fifty here on the uh, this this it's gonna be a shootout here. This is gonna be a barn burner. This NFC East showdown. Up next, this is a tough one. Bills, the Cardinals. Uh, the Bills are two point dog coming in this one. Two point dogs on the road here. This it, Cardinals team is just so tough. And they're they're kind of a Jekyll and Hyde this season. They can beat some of the better teams in the league. We saw them beat Seattle. Got a little lucky, but still, a win is a win. Beat San Fran week one when the, they weren't the Niners from last year, but they were more healthy than they are the current Niners. So they can beat good teams, but they also lost some head scratchers. They lost to the Lions. They lost to the Panthers by ten the week after that. So it, I don't know. These are both. These are both division-winning type teams, and if the Cardinals don't play in the West with the Seahawks, perhaps, who do you like in this one here, Paul, with the Bills? Two-point dogs going to Arizona. 
Oh, man, this is tough because, you know, the one thing with the Cardinals, they do play up to the good teams. I mean, that game against Seattle was fantastic, and, you know, they they played really good against the tough teams. But the Bills, Bills, with their credit, too, they've been kind of Jekyll and Hyde the last couple weeks where they just blew out Seattle. On the road, though, I like the Bills' defense a lot more than the Cardinals, but I think Kyler Murray finds a way to get it done, and uh, I'll take the Cardinals in this one. I, that defense for the Bills has been a big step down, as we mentioned. Uh, not not terrible, but I, I do think they're going to be a little bit better and get that one or two stops that they need that the Cardinals defense can't. I still don't really love Vance Joseph as a D.C., he struggled in Denver. He struggled in Arizona. They they can't stop. They could they could of course cover this one. It is kind of a coin flip for me, but I'll take the Bills two point dogs here on the road at at the Cardinals. Up next, Ravens Patriots. What's of course we have to have a line like this seven and a half for the Ravens. Seven. And a, I had to get that little extra. Yeah. After week one, I remember my buddy texted me group chat here he's like look new england they're a five or six win team i don't care that they beat a bad miami team week one well now we know miami's not so bad they're actually pretty good but he said they're a five or six win team and i said new england is not a five or six win team they're going to win nine games just on belichick's genius alone they're going to win eight or nine games and cam will get it done but no, they, they look like a five-win team, Paul. They're at they're at home. The Ravens, I feel like they beat up on bad teams, and the Patriots are a borderline bad team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, see, I know the Ravens are coming off a good win against the Colts, but I just saw this Lamar Jackson quote. Defenses are calling out our plays. He's going against a guy who runs a defense who sometimes knows what you're doing because he videotapes him. But what I'm, I think the Patriots, I think... I think they might have a handle on Lamar Jackson this week, and I think I got to roll with the Patriots in this one. It's a big spread. That's the benefit of yes. taking Pat. They just got to keep it within a touchdown, and you win. Uh, what I'll say, Baltimore, we know, against the playoff teams, can they deliver? I'm, I think they can once in a while, like the Bills did. I think the Bills are probably a more consistent team against good teams. But the Baltimore, they haven't proven they can beat playoff teams, but they can beat these average, below-average teams. Beat up on Cincinnati, beat up on Cleveland by 32, Washington by a couple touchdowns, Houston by 17. And even last week against the Colts, they're a pretty good team. They're borderline, uh, probably a wild card team. They beat them by 14. They're say their offense can't do anything in Indy this this season, but mm-hmm. I do think that the Patriots are a below average team, and it's going to be an even split. And I'm about to go in the cellar here, Paul, <laughs> taking the Ravens to cover the seven and a half. I, I got to make up some ground this week on you, so I'll take the Ravens to cover that big spread. All right, so bet the house, everyone, on all those picks, and uh, tell us how you do uh, on the subscribe to the fantasy football zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it follow us on twitter at draft that guy thanks for listening to the fantasy football zone podcast